Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Moon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Ellsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, I swear, every time I very confidently say that we'll be back next week, we end up not being back next week. This past time, it was because I ran into a cold. Mm-hmm. Not like a severe one, but enough of one where, where talking was not the most advisable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times have been previous illnesses. Sometimes it's been life stuff. Uh, sometimes it's just been we don't have anything to talk about. And I'm not sure we have anything to talk about this week, but... We're going we're gonna to try. We're, we're going we're gonna to fire from the hip here. That we are. Um, and the, uh, the first order of business today, we're going to see what we can get out of Gopherman's basketball. Yeah. As of recording, 7-14 and 14 overall, 1-10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Obviously, there are some caveats to give about the current run where they don't have a healthy center. I mean, those, that, that's the big thing. They've had injuries. They had injuries coming into the year that were always going to be a problem, and then they've run into more injuries lately. But obviously, they also just are not as good as the other teams they're playing. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, go on. Well, just it's not a surprise, is it? No, no. I mean, we knew going into the year this was going to be an undermanned team. We knew they were going to struggle. I mean, we saw last year's product, and then think about the fact that we basically placed all those veterans, all those under-talented but veterans, you know, sort of savvy veterans with a group of somewhat talented but freshmen, frankly, literally freshmen and, you know, a couple of transfers here and there. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's it was it's not an overnight process. And uh, I think right now we're really feeling the lack of depth, the lack of top line talent and the injuries. I mean, losing Dawson, I mean, when you're this thin already, you just can't afford an injury like that. And that's I think that's been really, really, really hard for them because he's really a good. I mean, I don't know if he's a superstar in the way we maybe had our brightest hopes could have been, but he's a really good two-way player. And, you know, just being down him and, you know, all the other injuries that have happened, be it pain, I think Thompson and battle at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to win in the Big Ten, even a year where the Big Ten is more or less down when you're so thin and so undermanned night in, night out. And some of the ways in which they've been Disappointing is uh, on its own frustrating and a bit disconcerting. Um, we can look at Jameson Battle and see his, his his shooting stats and say he's got the highest free throw uh, conversion rate of his career this year at 85%, uh, but also the lowest three-point percentage at 303. Uh, we can say maybe that... Um, the free throw rate, that's the three throw percentage that'll, you know, that that usually is more indicative long term of future success shooting. Um, and we can also say, well, he's kind of the only player that teams can focus on, especially on the perimeter. So therefore, you know, and he's probably not broken, even if this is, uh, you know, and, and also, in part, he's coming off of an injury, which he's probably fine by now, relatively speaking. But in the early part of the year, was a little slow to get on track. Um, but the free throw 
percentage of other players on the team. Not good. Is, it's not good. Talon Cooper is at 56.5% right now. Um, he was not a great free throw shooter at Moorhead State. Um, only 68%, but 68% uh, you can live with if he's, you know, one of the worst shooters on your team. And um, he is not right now. Like there, there are players who are as bad or worse. Jaden Henley is at 56.3%. Torres Samuels is at the same on half as many shots uh, as a caveat. Joshua Ola-Joseph, who, uh, you know, we, we've talked about him. He's not the most consistent player, but uh, if nothing else, he can get to the rim. And so you think, okay, he can get to the line, therefore. And he's been one of the better players at doing that. Not great, but he can get to the line. And when he gets there, he's shooting 55.3%. For Alpain, um, you know, a, a bully in the paint. He also gets to the line. He's got the second most free throw attempts on the team. He's converted less than half of them. Yeah. This is one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country. Uh, I believe statistically they are the worst. Is that, is that a, is that still correct? They are actually second worst. There are 363 teams in division one. And according to sports reference, at 599, um, their free throw rate or their, few, their free throw uh, percentage is 362nd in Division One. Do we know so, who is behind us? Uh, I can pull that up real quick, but uh, just in the in in as I'm doing that, I don't know. Name some other problems with this thing. Turnovers. Turnovers, offense, um, size, rebounding. Um, no, I think turnovers in the way the offense runs all year. I mean, it's 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 run better, I think, the last month or so in a lot of those closer games, but it's still very dysfunctional. Just running offense and moving without the basketball is not this team's strength. Um, again, I, I think it's gotten a little bit better, but there's just too many times where you just you just get a terrible turnover or you just don't get a good shot or you know the other day where you get a good shot and you're missing the shots you know i mean those are those are some of the big things i'd say um and then yeah just turnovers just i mean the whole offense is just i don't know if it's a skill thing or an execution thing or both probably both uh you know it, it again when you're shooting so poorly it doesn't allow you to open up other parts of your offense I mean, they just too many times. I'd say they look lost on offense, and that's 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 a that's a big that's a that's a big issue. And I think part of that is it being freshman. I mean, I think one of the things last year, well, the one of the reasons that la even the last year's team was also pretty bad, just objectively. Um, you know, one of the things they did well. I mean, they they were they were a veteran gang, like I was saying, where even though they were undermanned, they at least. They didn't turn it over as much. They were more efficient. You had Peyton Willis, who was a better than expected floor general. You know, battle was great, catch and shoot. They just ran much better offense last year, I think. And I'm, you know, you've seen a little, you've seen glimpses of it this year that it could be better, and you hope it keeps, you know, inching in that direction. But I think that's a big, that's a big issue. Then on defense, yeah, they are, they are also just undermanned. I think, talent wise and athletically size size wise more than anything 
As a follow-up, Brown is last place in gotcha. free throw percentage in Division One. Um, but yeah, the, I, I've just been sorting through the tables here, and there's not really anyone thing that the Dofers ranked fairly highly in, um, in in a good way at least. Uh, they uh, they uh, have a pretty good number, or a, a, a as a percentage of their overall baskets, um, a a high amount is assisted, close to sixty percent there. But um, that isn't necessarily good or bad. You know, you, you'd ideally like it to be a higher number, but it's not as important to winning as your turnover rate, which they range in the mid-200s in, their free throw rate, their offensive rebounding, all of which are problems for the team. And you, you mentioned size as a problem. You know that's the the big thing that you you look to Dennis Evans for next year and and like we we were saying this when we went to the Michigan game in December, we said it probably in the preseason as well, where there isn't just a proper place right now for the guys you're playing in the front court because Garcia is a good height but he's lanky and not really as physical as you want him to be up against the bigs of the Big Ten. Um, Payne is as physical as you want. He's he's thick, but he's only 6'9". Trayton Thompson just... is thin. Very thin. Yeah, he, he's he's just... Um, I mean, he's he's thin at 190 pounds officially, but also just... I, I don't know that you can depend on him to be a consistent player based on his college career so far, which is a little unfair because he's been thrown into the fire of a you know, two teams that have been not very good. Uh, but then you, you so you, you've got all these guys, um, or at least two of them in Garcia and Payne, who you think, okay, those guys, you know, Payne ideally would be like a small ball center, but both of them are probably more power forwards. But since they're having to play at the five, that means battle is having to play a position up when he's, you know, ideally someone you would want on the wing a bit more. And you just don't have a presence at the rim, which, uh, you know, has, has been a thing that this program has had before in the, you know, recent memory uh, as, you know, a proper strength between Oturu and Jordan Murphy. Obviously. Yeah, or even so, Liam Robbins, even yeah. Liam Robbins, Reggie Lynch. I mean, a lot of guys going back in the last five, six years have been bigger and shot blockers, you know. Yeah, and um, I, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but you know one of the things we we learned in the last ten years, which is now sort of um, axiomatic, is in basketball, shots near the rim are better. Yes. <laughs> uh, and if you can't protect your rim, then it's going to be a, a really difficult time. Yeah. So thankfully, they are adding the best shot blocker in high school basketball. So um, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that will be good. I didn't mean to get as sort of uh, in uh, as granular as we've gotten on this season, um, but just wanted to sort of take your temperature on sort of macro matters. And my, my feeling right now is like it's a bit early to get too existential about things, but um, – what what do you think is the line for next year in terms of if it's not X, then we need to start asking hard questions. 
It's hard to say. I, I want it to be a competitive Big Ten team. That's all I want. Maybe 500 in conference. I mean, realistically, with all they've shown this year, I mean, unless they bring in some really talented transfers, I mean, I don't think you can ask for more than a – I mean, really, all you can ask for is a – I don't know – NIT and maybe an NIT fringe NCAA bubble team, you know, um, and to keep recruiting well, because that's all that's that's all that's what it's got to be. It's got to be it's just got it's just got to come in the recruiting game. It's the only it's just the only way out, whether it be transfer portal, whether it be recruits, whether it be whatever. I mean, you know, freshmen, whatever. I mean, these guys are going to develop, but I think this this group is too far away to have substantial expectations for next year. Even if Cameron Christie comes in and he's good, you know, a solid starter and, you know, Dennis Evans comes in and he's a, whatever, a lottery pick or whatever. I mean, I think even if those guys are that good, you're still going to probably struggle reasonably. You'll be better. I don't think you'll be good. Um, I think the, the, again, the key is you just, you just have to, you just have to keep recruiting and you have to see some progress on the court. And that, that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. You definitely need next year to be proof of concept, not just for in-house expectations, you know, sort of cool people. Um, I, I did see this week someone used the Tim Brewster comparison, which is a bit dire, but, you know, sports fans are not always the most um, even keeled on the internet. But it's clear that there is a bit of restlessness. There's a bit of fear that this could be teetering on on the edge of a cliff for this program, uh, which I, I don't find totally reasonable, but is not necessarily unfounded when we've watched two really, really awful teams. One that finished last in the Big Ten last year, and will probably do so again this year. It's uh, it, it it's it's bad. It's bad. It's uh, hard. To, I mean, it's it's bad, but it's like again, if people are saying you know whatever, it's Brewster. We got to get rid of Ben Johnson. It's like. There's an article that I think I think like Royce or somebody wrote in the Star Tribune about like last week that I actually kind of resonated with me. I hate to admit it, but it was basically like what are the ex- like what are you what 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 are the realistic expectations for this program? Like yes, it is dreadful, but this program has not been in a good way for a long time. And this is why I say we need to bank on recruiting, you know, because like all, the only the only way out is is to bring in better recruits. He seems to be doing that. You know, it's it's not good right now. But if you if you you know, if you blow it up right now. I mean, what 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 is anybody else going to do that's better? And who are, who are you? I mean, who, who do you think you're going to bring in that's going to magically turn who wants to who wants this job you know i mean and that's maybe the the part of the cliff is that it's like well man this could be bad for a really long time and that it, it, it certainly could be but i i yeah i i don't know i just i i hate to sound all conservative or whatever but i you gotta you gotta stay you gotta stay you gotta stay, you gotta stay the course at least right now i think i and agree I, too they will they will but yeah uh, I I agree that for for now you need to stay the course, but you know the the nature of the sport, as I I've said about football, is that perception ends up shaping reality, and the the way it does is in recruiting. You know, which is yeah. why next year 
in addition to, you know, calming your own fan base's nerves next year, you need to be able to show recruits. This is why you should come here because you can point to the roster right now and say, it's all a bunch of freshmen and, you know, you, you keep seeing injuries, but the, the, the big thing is like, you're theoretically you should have a passable team next year with yeah. Evans and Christy coming in. And then some more experience on top of that to the under guys currently on the roster. Um, and it, you know, it, you you don't so you you mentioned it kind of as I would guess a um, I don't know a less than totally realistic scenario like Evans becoming a lottery pick uh, lottery pick which would probably mean I would hope think the Gophers would at least be in the middle of the Big Ten in that scenario. Um, well, I, I'm thinking even if he's a lottery pick, I I'm saying even if he's a lottery pick, I don't know that we're going to be any good. I mean that that's that's that, that was my that I'm sure to clarify that I, I, he could be great and I I we still might struggle maybe not which, as bad as this year but which I, I understand looking at the way things are um, but even even you know a big year from him that he can immediately convey into or, or um, whatever the the parlay into an NBA draft spot you know that would at least be something you can show good players is a reason to come here that, you know, you can't come here and do that. But, but yeah, the, the, the bottom line is you need, you need better players. The way to get them is recruiting. And I think if this is another year where you're not getting at least a first round by in the big 10 tournament in 2024, then like you kind of have lost faith, the lost the faith of everyone probably. Yeah. So going to be hard to get good players in that scenario. I don't imagine we'll have anything more to say on the season unless they go on a big run or something disastrous happens. Uh, so we'll talk to you again in March or April on that front. Uh, the other thing that we were definitely going to talk about today, because it's decent enough fodder and we're kind of short on topics, um, the Roll Hall of Fame yesterday, Wednesday the 1st, announced the nominees for the 2023 class. Isn't always this short a list? It's only uh, 14 artists. I feel like that's probably about par for the course. I don't think it's been many more than that, but I, I could also be remembering wrong. It feels like, it does feel like more, how do I say this, more like stacked list than previous years. You know what I mean? Where usually there's a few people who you're like, oh, you know, like, I mean, I know, like, fellow Cootie always gets nominated, which I love, but, like, you know, the average person doesn't know who fellow Cootie is. And there's, there's like, always, like, a few things like that, whereas I feel like this year it's, like, more, like, bigger names, um, at least from my vantage point. But, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a normal, no, normal year, but I, I could be wrong about that. Well, I guess we could just go down the list uh, alphabetically yeah kate bush yeah kate bush i think is to me probably on she's like like i i said that if i had five and i'll let you know who the five are i think she would be like my fringe five i think she's probably very influential and her music is very interesting you know it's it's sort of 80s pop but 
like more alternative, not like alternative rock. I mean, it is like alternative rock, but like not like, um, you know, the underground sort of grungy, punky stuff. I mean, it's kind of that weird 80s art pop thing um, that kind of fell through the cracks a little bit in her day. Um, but I, I have to imagine that with her recent resurgence, the, with the, 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 the Stranger Things, um, the, the Stranger Things bump, I have to imagine that she's going to get in. Um, and it's hard to argue, you know, it's probably hard to argue against her. Just I think we need more interesting artists in these sort of things. And she's an artist that didn't have as much commercial success and but was, you know, on her merits artistically is pretty interesting. So I think for that reason, I think Kate Bush probably should and will get in. And I think I support that. That makes sense. She feels not too far off from like the same category as like the cars where not, not in terms of genre or anything like that, obviously, but just like. If you were to ask, like, if you were setting up a Hall of Fame of the most prominent rock and rock adjacent musicians ever, you know, I, I obviously love the Cars, and I know there there are people who love Kate Bush, and she's got this bump. Um, and the Cars got in, and I think she'll get in, but I'm not certain that in the idyllic Hall of Fame she would belong. It's borderline, in my yeah. Opinion. Well, that's that's the thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too. Is it's like and then we'll go through some of these names, you know. I think it's a stronger, stronger crop than usual. But it's like, what is what is the Hall of Fame? What is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anyway? You know, what does it mean? You know, you're kind of you tend to just it. It seems like it's kind of just ending ending up to be very inclusive, which is cool. You know, if you're wanting to tell the story of the rock music or rock culture or just popular music of the last 60 years, I mean that's a cool approach to do it, right? But at the same time, it's like it's not a super exclusive club at this point. It's no, not, it's not. And, you know. But I, I think the ways in which it has been exclusive have persisted, which we'll get to on the fourth artist on the list, to where, you know, there are some artists who have belonged in for a while. And I've only recently gotten any sort of consideration, which means that the, the backlog of like the secondary options um, in the more conventional rock space, yeah. I feel like you've been getting a boost in terms of. I would also put Duran Duran in the same category as like I don't, I don't know that they necessarily belong, but because we're running out of artists to induct and we're not willing to branch out from what the people who are writing for Rolling Stone in 1975 like, then you know this is what we get. Yeah. No, the Duran-Duran comparison, I think, is apt with Kate Bush. I think they are similarly, they were probably more, they were more popular than Kate Bush, but they're similarly kind of popular, pretty interesting, I don't know, sort of, we're, 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 we're pockets, pockets of cachet, very influential as far as those things go. So, yeah, I, it's a good comparison, I think, actually. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow, you know, I used to not be a Cheryl Crow fan. I, I don't know. Her music didn't really do that much for me. But I will say, you know, I went to a Cheryl Crow concert like five years ago or at a festival or something. And she played her hits. And let me tell you, every song in that set was a hit. <laughs> 
you know, I don't think she's, I don't think she's super, I don't think she's, you know, she's kind of trailblazing, I think, as a very popular woman in, in kind of Americana. Uh, she's influential in that regard. You know, she definitely did the thing where she carried, she, she definitely carries the rock flag into the 90s and the 2000s, you know, admirably. And, you know, a lot of artists probably do cite her as an influence. But I don't know. I don't think her music is super interesting, but I think she is pretty good. I think she is pretty good. And some of the some of the, some of the songs, I think if it makes you happy is a banger. Right. Like that's like that's an unimpeachable banger. Um, and there's a couple others that are really good, some that are not so good. Um, but I think she'll probably I mean, like most of these artists, like I feel like she has to get in eventually, and I think she probably will. I don't know how how many times she's been nominated or whatever, but I think she'll. I don't know that I would put her in my top five on this list, but um, certainly, you know, by the standards that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has set, probably somewhat deserving. I don't really have much uh, commentary on Cheryl Crow, so I will just move on to another artist I don't have. <laughs> any commentary on missy elliott yeah missy i gotta shout out missy it was one of the one of the first three or four cds i ever bought was missy elliott's the cookbook and uh that still goes that absolutely still goes yeah missy elliott is also when you think about um her her, her generation her genre i think she really i i hate to just use the cliche of like well a woman in hip-hop but i mean i think she was part of that that first not the first wave, but 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 a very important wave of female MCs, um, probably along with Lil Kim, you know, probably a little after Lauryn Hill, but like everybody, like everybody in hip hop, like can look at Missy Elliott and say that is that is somebody that I I look up to. That is an influence. I mean, I remember when she performed in the Super Bowl a few years back. You know, everybody was like, oh, that Katy Perry, that stupid Katy Perry thing was really dumb, but. Man, she brought out Missy, and that was awesome. I don't think she has quite as many, like, you know, huge mainstream, you know, smashes as some of these other artists. But I think she's certainly deserving. And I think I think history has been very kind to Missy Elliott, even more than I think she was in her day. And I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's is probably some cliche, and I don't mean to be just the, the dumb, dumb man, but, you know, about, you know, Cardi B you know, Megan, Megan Thee Stallion, all these great female MCs that are, you know, really carrying the torch for today that I think Missy really, she was really, she really helped pave the way. So I, I'm very for Missy. I think she might, I don't know if she'll get in right away. I don't know what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's relationship with hip hop generally is, but I think in a just institution, again, that is celebrating the history of popular music in the last 60 years, I think she's an important part of that story. That's what I would say about Missy. Iron Maiden. Uh, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, I'll let you Yeah, it. this one's for me. There was a time where I thought Iron Maiden was the best metal band to uh, to ever be. And I, I don't think so anymore. I, I think I have defaulted to Black Sabbath at this point. But, uh, I mean, Iron Maiden is up there. They have, you know, after Rob Halford, who with Judas Priest got in last year, the most iconic vocalist in the history of metal. They have one of the most iconic sounds, which, you know, the, the twin guitar thing also was a Judas Priest deal before it was an Iron Maiden. 
deal, but um, they put out a run of some of the best metal albums that have ever been. They helped define heavy metal as a um, genre in terms of its interest in science fiction and history on a lyrical level. They, I mean, the, the Steve Harris was a good marketer, we'll say, uh, you know, what with Ed the Head and the sometimes, um, especially in the early period with when Paul Diano was the vocalist, some of the album covers and single covers they went with were very intentionally shocking, I guess. They, you know, they, they knew how to promote themselves, but also they, they have incredible music. I, I would put Power Slave up there with really anything put out by most inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I, I think that somewhere in time, while not the best Iron Maiden album, even I put it like fifth or sixth, has maybe the one of the coolest sounds ever produced by twin guitars on any record ever bolstered by the synthesizers they were experimenting with at the time. And not only that, but they have had one of the best late periods yeah. of any metal band where I, I think the quality has kind of slipped a little bit um, where I just didn't think that Sinjutsu was anything special. I, I thought the Book of Souls was a bit overstuffed. But since since reuniting from Brave New World on, they they put out a lot of actually really good music, and some of it works as you know as kind of worked as a live staple for a band that you know I if you ever have seen any video of Iron Maiden performing live, you know this is a band that is absurdly good live even today, and is a an experience that. Um, I'm incredibly glad I got to have a few years ago and hope I get to again at least one more time. And, uh, you know, it's that, that, that to me is maybe their calling card even more than their music themselves is, you know, the ability to have stadiums of 30,000, 40,000 people singing along to not even the lyrics, but to what the guitarists are playing. Um, they are that big. They are that important. And uh, they should have been in a long time ago, along with several other metal bands. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, how do you it's it's crazy that I mean, I'm not a biggest maiden guy, but it's it's crazy that a band that is that massive and that influential in that popular of a quote unquote rock and roll space. You know what I mean? It just just your earlier point about them sort of neglecting the heavy metal. Yeah, it's, it seems unjust, and it, it doesn't make sense that it would take them this long to get in a band of that stature, you know, in in, in that important of kind of a genre or subgenre um, of rock music. And it's not the only one that they ignore, but it's certainly a big, uh, a, a big one. And the longer they wait on some of these, the, the, this, this genre that's supposedly for angry teenagers or whatever, like, you know, like I, I'm genuinely surprised they got Judas Priest in at this point, um, while everyone is still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a concern in a lot of the sort of bands that are up for this. But uh, again, you you've neglected a very legitimate genre of music that means a lot to a lot of people, um, just because, you know, of what Robert Christgau thinks or whatever. I don't know if he has a vote. But people like him have votes. So Iron Man, they should go in. 
Joy Division slash New Order. I have no opinion on this. Is like New Order is one of the bands. Joy Division is one of the most one of the most popular bands that it's kind of like the Cure, where like I, they're just so big and I just have no idea. I I can't speak intelligently on these bands. I don't know. There's that one song I think it's like kind of a banger, but that one that you'd know from the radio. But I, I have no opinion on the on the, on I, I, either Joy Division or New Order. Yeah, I um. This is a, a blank spot for me. You know, I I don't even know if they're... I mean, among the big new wave bands, they're certainly, like, in the the pantheon of, of new wave and uh, the sort of post-punch uh, sort of deal, but I can't speak any more authoritatively on that. It, you know, they're, they're, they're not as big a deal as Depeche Mode or Talking Heads, but they're a big deal. That's kind of what I got. Yeah. Cindy Lauper. This is kind of interesting. Um, she's got some hits, uh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you know, Time After Time is really great. A lot of great versions of that song. Um, I don't know. I, I've never really viewed her as having the kind of legacy. And again, it might be something where, you know, subsequent generations see her as more influential than she was popular in her day. Um, or just that, again, we just, you know, we're voting in people that have hits, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't really have strong opinions on Cindy Lauper either. Um, but I I hope, I don't know. I don't know what I, don't know what I hope. I, I don't have anything against her. I just don't really know her music and, 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 and sphere of influence. So maybe I'll have to catch up on that. Yeah, and maybe um, we're missing something, but it, it feels it it doesn't feel like she belongs, and just I don't know if she was important enough. I don't, you know, she has some hits. George Michael. George Michael also has some hits, and let me tell you, I I don't like them. <laughs> uh, Wham is, you know. You know, God bless them, but I, I, Wham is one of those bands I, I have really negative, negative feelings towards their music. I think Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go is one of the worst popular pop songs probably ever. Even in even in the context of, like, bad 80s songs, like, I've come around on a lot of those songs, but that song I just can't do. So I'm very biased against George Michael. Um, I know he's... He has a few songs that, again, were, 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 were popular, a lot of songs that were popular. I know he's sort of appreciated as some sort of underrated studio producer slash instrumentalist, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't like George Michael. I'm, I think rest in peace because I think he's dead. But I, I have never – this is not – this is also – I should also say this is very – the last three or four, really not up my alley. Like as far as things that are targeted to the people who like like the music that I like, these are very off my 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 beaten path. Yeah, I I'm kind of in in the same boat here where I just I don't there there George Michael is not my thing. He is dead by the way. He died on Christmas a few years ago. I remember that coming down while uh while while with my family. Not that anyone was distraught or anything, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just he's kind of in the '80s pop wave of he made some songs, especially like I don't like Wham either. 
yeah they're, they're not my thing it's also with George Mike it's a weird like the late 80s pop is a really weird weird like abyss of not very good music like the stuff that isn't really hair metal but like people still have big hair you know it's not really post-punk it's not really disco it's not hip like hip-hop hasn't like evolved yet grunge hasn't hit yet you know like it's it's just a weird it's a weird time you know there's a lot of stuff that made sense before a lot of stuff that made sense after but you even even i don't know it's just not an era that i like (laughs) uh taking last year's spot uh held previously by um or the the spot that that dolly parton held last year willie nelson on this year's ballot yes this might surprise you but i think willie nelson deserves to be in the rock and roll hall of fame i'm not surprised um the 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 really, I think the weight here was always the whole genre question where, again, as, as we mentioned, um, it, it was more strictly a, a rock place and rock adjacent place. And now uh, suddenly we're letting some of the biggest artists in of all time who are not necessarily rock artists because they're, they're big and they're important, which isn't, I'm not saying that was any sort of value judgment um, other than maybe they should have had broader definitions before but um you know you can probably put willie nelson in just about any music hall of fame and yeah you and i will probably say yeah sure yeah give give will give willie all the give give him his flowers you know i mean he's he he's got whatever 70 years of music <laughs> you know um one of the most influential country artists of all time at times one of the best country artists of all time certainly one of the great figures and you know figures of country music and and uh, and of his of of multiple eras um a great celebrity great uh yeah just a great great figure and very 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 rock and roll i'd say in the outlaw sense um i'll say that about another one of the maybe multiple more of the people coming up but uh yeah i think spiritually willie certainly fits in the rock and hall of fame rage against the machine um, I'm just gonna say right now, yes. Yeah, get, put them in. Put them in. I, I mean, we can probably wax more intelligently on Rage than we probably could any other band on this, uh, on the, on this list. But, yeah, I mean, just put, put, just come on, come on, do it, do it. <laughs> um, yeah, Rage is certainly the best. The, I think, I don't know how many of the other bands you could say are artists on this list where you can say they are the very best at what they do. Rage Against the Machine is absolutely the best iteration before, during, or after, like, the specific thing they did. And I don't just say that to do the classic thing we always talk about where it's like, oh, well, then Limp Bizkit happened, you know, whatever. But, like, people people have tried to fuse rock and hip-hop so, so often, and Rage did it so well. Uh, their brand is so sort of strong. The live show is incendiary. The politics are impeccable um it's 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 quintessential rock and roll i i would say they are they were and they remain one of the most vital rock and roll voices of their era and beyond i mean in the last in the last 35 years i mean they are one of the most vital rock bands if not the most vital rock band to emerge i would argue maybe even more than nirvana or whoever else I, I don't know how to quite put it in those terms, but um, I, I can say they've been nominated four times previously and haven't gotten in, which is 
really quite absurd. You know, yeah. this, this is an absurd institution, but you know, that is absurd. Yeah, like like you said, they no no one did the rap rock rap metal thing on a better level in large part because uh they had a point. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think they should go in and I hope Zach Delaroche's leg is doing okay. Yeah. Might have to get an inducted from the throne if he even shows up. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, a great band, a great band that is very much deserving of all flowers. Soundgarden. Yeah, Soundgarden's I, it's it's a little hard for me because I think they're the band on here that I love the most, and I think unquestionably they are a deserving band. Again, especially when your parameter is basically well anybody who kind of mattered in rock, hip hop, soul, country, pop. <laughs> you know, it's kind of in an all-inclusive list. Um, they they are cert, cert, certainly deserving. I don't know that they're going to get in on this wave, um, but Soundgarden is an incredible band. They made incredible music, and it's 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 of its time, but also timeless. And you know, Chris Cornell was the best singer in rock. You know, you know since I don't know since since name 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 whoever else, but um, certainly I think the best singer of his era and and since then. So that's yeah, I, I I love Soundgarden. I I we'll we'll see though. I will say though, if this means we do get a a a a, a run back of Brandy Carlisle fronting Soundgarden, I will be I will be for that um, because that was really good and that was really cool. The Spinners. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I know I, one Spinner song and it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in favor of just letting in all the great soul bands. I'm a little more Southern soul than Philly soul, but, you know, it's just great music. That's kind of what I would have to say about it. Do you have an opinion on it? The uh, Like I said, the I mean, I kind of agree with you, like, the, the big soul bands of the 60s are maybe as essential to any understanding of rock music that emerged uh in in its immediate wake than than anyone so if you just told me um that any one of them was up for election and i had heard of them and i had heard any of their stuff i'd say yes that makes perfect sense to me and yeah i the, the one sign of there's um games people play you should listen to it it's great so that's that's my endorsement of the spinners. They also did. They had a lot of good songs. They did all be around, which is really great. Uh, Could it be I'm falling in love is really great. And uh, they have a couple more too. Uh, the uh, what is it? Is it uh, the Rubber Band Man? Yeah, that one's good. I mean, they have good. It's just again, it's just it's just timeless soul music. You know what? What can go wrong? You know, just makes you feel good. That's what can I say? And I'll say they're they're from uh, from. The Detroit Metro, not not Philly, but but I think they 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 their sound is the I I I lump them in with the Philly soul sound of the '70s more than the Motown of the '60s, but that's a maybe 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 I'm wrong. I don't know. That that's that's too granular for me to comment on. So, <laughs> uh, a tribe called Quest. Yeah, they're so a tribe, tribe. You know, I, I mean. This is why I feel like it's a strong crop because I feel like most of these bands so far we've been able to at least you can at least construct an argument for them to be in. 
I think Tribe probably has, of the hip-hop groups on here, which is, I guess, really only them and Missy, I think Tribe is super influential. Tribe was super good. They were my favorite hip-hop act from maybe ages age 15 to 17 until I discovered Outkast, who was very influenced by a tribe called Quest, like a southern tribe called Quest. Um, yeah, insanely influential. Um, you know, without them, that course of hip-hop, especially that... I hate to say like alternative hip hop that sounds so dumb, but like there's there's certain strains of hip hop, especially in the 90s and even into the neo soul movement um, with the work that Q-Tip did uh, there, there and after um, that they're just they're just they're just gods. I mean, they're just they're just legends. Um, they're just legends. They made like two or three like completely unimpeachable records. Low end theory to me is peak peak hip-hop, at least for when it comes out. I mean, there, there's stuff that does... I mean, it's it's different than Nas five years later, Outkast five years after that, or, um, I, I don't know, Kanye five years after that, or, or whatever, Kendrick ten years after that, or whatever. But, 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 it's, but it's, 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 it's really perfect for its time, and they're, they're, just, they're just super influential. I don't know, I had one more thing to say, I think, about Tribe. Yeah, I don't know. Just Low End Theory, Midnight Marauders, really great albums, um, and a few of the other ones too. But I think I think that, I think they should be in. I think they'll probably make it in. I think they have enough fans uh, in powerful places that I think the powers that be, again, will and should let them in. The White Stripes. I imagine you and I don't have a very different opinion on this one. Like at the very least, a a little flash in the panty because they didn't exist very long um, and weren't like vital so much as just, you know, a rock rock band and, and the aughts. And I mean, up against the various nominees also on the list, they just don't really compare. I, I disagree. I think they are sort of flash in the panty, but I think they were still influential, uh, you know, and, I mean, as far as, again, preserving the rock and roll spirit, I mean, there are other bands, there are other bands in their era, other indie rock bands in the 2000s that I think also kind of carried the torch. Um, but I think they're very visible and I think they were very good. And I think that their songs have endured culturally. Of course, I'm referring to Seven Nation Army, um, among others, but. I think they're 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 probably the most enduring of enduringly popular of the bands from that era. Even if it is just like let's rock, you know, um, a it it actually did it actually was good. Even if it was you know sort of straightforward rock. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm I'm all over the place right now. It's past my bedtime, but um, I think they're deserving. I think they'll get in. They I don't know if they'll get in this year. But I and I also I also too should add that I also think that Jack White as again when we think about this as an institution that is supposedly honoring the history of the last six years of pop music, he is very invested in keeping the keeping the music you know alive whether that be garage rock or metal or soul or bluegrass I mean he really cares about the, the these old you know these American American forms of music you know what I mean and. I think that's important, and I think he, he he does a good job preserving that. I think that is an extension of the White Stripes legacy, 
which I think should count in their favor. He's definitely in the sort of Tweety droll class of, you know, it's not just he made some music and moved on. He 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 cares about the uh, tearing the flag. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes, and um, I think he does. Well. What was that? I said I think he does it well. Um. I, I'm going to use this as a jumping off point and make more of a, a, a big picture question about like, so Foo Fighters are in, mm-hmm. the, the White Stripes are now nominated. I imagine the Strokes will probably be on the short list soon. Is that reasonable? Um, Quite possibly, yes. Yes, they're probably one of the next bands from that era to get in. But we're so after that, you know, we 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 talked a few years ago where I, I was saying like I'm on the sort of somewhat relevant bands of six years ago. Um, you have Arctic Monkeys, you have the Black Keys is probably getting inducted in the future. But so much of what rock is now is kind of past what they were for the periods where you would say this is why they're getting inducted. It's more of a niche thing. Um, do you have any sort of prognostication about what comes of like what the big rock artists are now, like in such yeah. as that they are? Because it is so much more of an indie scene, it feels like. Yeah, I'll tell you who's going to get in. I think the Killers will probably get in. Which? Uh, yeah. They, they they fit in again with some of these other sort of second tier bands. I think Paramore is really good, and I think Paramore will get in. And I think I just think they're so influential. I think the next generation, our generation and the younger generations, like people go so hard for that band. And I think they're really really good. And I think Haley Williams stands for all the right things. They have really good politics. Um, they have bangers, you know, they got great albums. They put on a great live show. They're doing their first arena tour this year. I think Paramore will be a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band. I guess as far as other bands that I feel like should make it, it is harder because it's like, it is more niche. Like you're saying, like, I think TV on the radio is a band that was incredible, just incredible in their day, I, you know, and really, is as far as being incorporating electronic music, pop music, R&B music, rock music, you know, all of these things, you know, um, I, I just think that that was that was that was they they, they were they, they were an, they were an incredible band and really influential band. Also, really important band being, you know, I think one of the only you know, predominantly black bands in, um, in, in their sort of scene or their, 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 in the, in the, in their, in their wave. Um, like, I think they're a band that like, if they had come out, if a band like that had come out in another era, I think they'd be a shoe in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but they probably won't make it cause boomers just have no idea. Right. Like, they're, they weren't they weren't mainstream popular enough. I mean, their biggest gig, their last gig, in, which was probably almost 10 years ago now in Minneapolis, I think it was at like First Ave or something. Um, so there's a lot of things like that where it's like, you know, who does who the, the be, like the best bands are oftentimes not super big in the in this explicitly rock 
sort of sphere, right? But there's other people who will get in, you know, I mean, Billie Eilish, you know, she's, 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 you know, she's, she's shoring, shoring up the vote, the votes right now. I feel like, um, you know, when Beyonce gets in, that's going to be big if she isn't already. Is she? I don't know. I don't think I, she I don't believe so, but that, I, I, that would be drifting more from like the classic sort of definition of rock, yeah. obviously. And that's more what I'm, I'm thinking about because like, you know, I don't, I don't demand that, like, I, I, I don't, I don't want every rock band to be the black keys. It's not interesting, but like, you know, we do have some artists who are doing really great indie rock in the last 10 years, whether that's, Father John Misty or Tony Barnett or whoever, who are getting really, really good reviews. And when you go to the metrics we use for success in indie music now, which is just, I guess, Spotify streams, you know, and like year-end accolades, that sort of stuff. There are people who are really big to people who pay attention to these things. But, you know, I bring them up with any one of my family members or friends of friends I'm meeting and trying to, you know, gauge musical tastes and no one has heard of them because it's indie. Like, are are we going to see a time where, like, I guess to use one of the examples I said, like, Tony Barnett has a chance or is it like we're maybe getting Bon Iver? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Bon Iver and Tame Impala, I think, are the best, the best bets. I think there's other bands that down the line you'd be able to make a case for, you know, I feel like... Uh, again, the Arctic Monkeys, I think, you know, pretty good case for them, probably, just because they and it helped that they had a few mega hits, you know. I mean, I mean, I think Arctic Monkeys is as open and shut a case as you can get for bands that are relevant from time we were in high school to now. Yeah, and even before then too. I mean, I think like Vampire Weekend probably gets a look. You know, assuming they stay stay the course and keep making good albums, you know, I mean, they, they're a band that could get to the, you know, arena. I don't know if they'll ever get to the arena, but almost to the arena thing. You know, I think Boney Veritame and Paula, I mean, War on Drugs is really great, but I don't think they're big enough to, like, crack the rock. I mean, because, again, like, even, like, the bands in the 90s, like Soundgarden... I mean, that, they, were, they sold a lot of records, right? Like, they were really big. And it's it's always hard to, like, I know that was because, like, records actually sold. But that was a band that was, like, on the radio. You know, that was a band that was on MTV. They were, they were visible. You know what I mean? In a way that, like, some of these artists now maybe aren't. I'm just trying to think of other bands that, you know, maybe fit in fit into this. I mean, I feel like <laughs> after one album, you know, I mean, hey, Olivia Rodrigo made a rock album. You know, maybe she, maybe she, maybe she embraces it. You know, I do feel like the pop punk thing again to go back to the Paramore thing, like that for better or worse is a lane that people really like. I'm going I, to not watch a second to hear that uh, my bloody Valentine is involved, but oh, uh, you mean My Chemical Romance? My Chemical Romance, yeah, yeah. Very different band. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But I mean that them Blink 182. I mean Avril Lavigne. I mean like. Can you make an argument, like, once this is taken over by Zoomers, <laughs> once the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is run by, run by, run by, you know, uh, millennials and, and, and Zoomers, I mean, is there a case Smash that... Mouth. Avril, yeah, not Smash Mouth, no, that will never happen. But is there a case that, like, at Avril Lavigne, you know, as somebody who was influential in 
the whatever made an influential pop punk album in 2004, or a few influential pop punk albums that were popular in their day, you know, kind of went away for a while. And now she's like an elder statesman, you know? I mean, like, why not Al- Avril Lavigne, you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's just, I don't like her music, but that, that makes sense, doesn't it? It made some sense. I, I'm just uh, thinking more like, or, or, you know, is it is it just going to be, there's going to be always that contingent that's going to somehow weasel uh, how on earth. I'm, I'm, I think you and I are both in kind of a forgetful funk this evening. What's the band that Stephen Hyden says he likes? Which 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 one? The the crappy one that just listens to Led Zeppelin. Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, like is, is, are we somehow gonna get Greta Van Fleet on the ballot because they're big and old people have heard of them? Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. They they got I mean that that you know that's if you think about it too, Greta Van Fleet won't be eligible for another twenty years, so you know. Yeah, yeah. It's all speculation. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're the, the next era we're going to enter is the, all the 2000s bands, which, again, are more like the White Stripes, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, the Strokes, Interpol probably won't make it, doesn't, is, but, you know, those bands. I don't know. Interesting yeah. to think about. Food for thought. It it's is. Just, you know. we, we, we spent a bit longer on it than intended, but uh, anyway, the last one on the list, Warren Zevon. Um you know more, but it feels like he should have been in at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Warren Zevon is epitomizes all that is good about rock and roll <laughs> to me. And the fact that he was a boomer and still isn't in is as incriminating of a of a, of a stance, you know, that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame can take. I mean, that's showing their true colors right there, I think, that that, it, that it's that it's a non-serious institution that Warren Zevon isn't in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, come on, right? Like, I, I love him so much, and I'm sure we'll talk more about his music another time, but it's it's not just something I love. Like, I think he's spiritually, he is spiritually a beautiful rock and roll. Do you think that his performance at Jesse Ventura's inauguration has hurt his taste for this lawn? No, no. We we can only we can only hope that 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 at the as as I don't know as Elton John and Brandy Carlisle are are singing Werewolves of London that in honor of that performance that at the ceremony that somebody will repel from a wolf will repel from the top of the ceiling and and come down and maybe even mr ventura himself will will join 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 in the fun because that that is an iconic moment right there if you haven't seen it ladies and gentlemen go look up jesse ventura jesse ventura warren zevon inauguration 2000 you will not regret it it's a bizarre scene (laughs) yes one that when elected governor of minnesota i will aim to replicate well, that's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list of nominees. We've done an hour at this point. Um, probably we'll be convinced a bit by editing, but we'll uh, we will have an episode next week. We'll, we'll probably not go as long because we were kind of wondering what we're going to talk about this week. We'll take the week after that off. Might kind of take a roughly every other week schedule for a little while. Might make sense. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And um, soon enough, there will be an NCAA tournament to talk about. There will be. Amen. Have a good weekend, everyone. See ya.